Welcome, everyone, to <laughs> episode four of Viking. Uh, we're here with uh, two thirds of the cast. Uh, December was a nightmare, and yeah, uh, we are still recovering schedule wise from December. Uh, but we will be back and in our full glory on uh, in February for February's episode. But January episode is going to be a little a little ditty that's going to set up the next episode really really well. And central to that piece are our two cast members today, Charity and Tim. Hey guys. Hey. How hey. have you been today? Oh wow. Well, long time no see. Yeah, it has been ages. What have you been up to? Mm, nothing. Great. Thanks. Uh, Charity, heard everything I wanted to hear from Tim. How have you been? I'm good. I'm a year older. Oh, that's right. It was just your birthday the other week. It was just my birthday over Are the weekend. Are you 23? I'm 23. Jesus Christ. I'm 23, bitches. I'm 23. I got three tattoos for my birthday. <laughs> what... <laughs> I'm excited. Is, is that is that going to increase exponentially after every birthday next year? It's going to be six, and then it's going to be whatever exponentially of six is thirty six. Yeah, I, I shouldn't. Is. I shouldn't do math on recorded ning online on recording. On recording. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. You're welcome. I don't know. We'll see. All right. This has uh, satisfied my tattoo fever for now, so we'll see. Okay. But like tomorrow I'll be back on Pinterest. Like what kind of tats did you get? <laughs> They're uh geometric shapes on my ankles. Because I got a tattoo of a triangle um when I had temporarily lost my mind in Omaha, Nebraska, and I got a triangle tattoo and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make the best of a weird situation and get other shapes so it looks <laughs> like they're intentional. I, and I did that. It's better when you sing. Uh, yeah. So if you could do the entire yeah. episode today in sing song. I can. Thank you. <laughs> Tim's like, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. <laughs> I hate this. Yep. There's not enough alcohol in the world to put up with your bullshit. 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 I'm ready to have fun. Yeah, yeah me too. Do it. Me too. Uh, very, ex- very excited to uh, to announce, and we'll do a plug at the end of the show. But for the first time, we can say that Des Moines and Dragons is brought to you by DSM Foundry. Yay! DSM Foundry uh, leather, metal, and wood engraving. Uh, they can they manage all of your cool and unique artistic and artisanal engraving needs. They've got cool maps of Des Moines. They've got neat little like leather engraved skyline pins that you can get. Got a ton of cool shit. Uh, first sponsors of the show. Uh, very excited and thankful for What's them. What's their website? Uh, their website is literally dsmfoundry.com. I collect pins. Do you guys know that? Yeah. I collect pins. So did you guys know that? We know everything about you. DSM we'll get Foundry. you we'll get you a fucking pin charity. Yay! <laughs> Oh, and that's what you. I get you. Yeah. So did you see, you didn't catch it. That's I don't what read that social was for. cues. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so please check out dsmfoundry.com. Uh, they've yeah, they've got a ton of cool shit down there, they and do. I'm already 
I've already got something on the way from them that I can't wait to show all you guys at some point. Very excited. But uh, that's been enough preamble. We're going to cut over to our narrator to kick us off for episode one. No. Four. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I've been doing this for like 20 months and still can't do it right all the time. Excellent. Great. We're going to send it over to the booth. Uh, Hit it. You can't say pew. There is a wide, yawning, black infinity. In every direction, the extension is endless. The sensation of depth is overwhelming. And the darkness is immortal. Where light exists, it is pure, blazing, fierce. But light exists almost nowhere. And the blackness itself is also pure and blazing and fierce. Carl Sagan Data blocks, coronoptitan, diagnosing, 15%, 59%, 70-73%, diagnosis complete, critical system files missing, Ymir, unveil, has been moved or deleted, please terminate the console now or restart. So, the title card fades to black. And green text, same default DOS box-based text comes on screen, and it reads, Earth, 1590, North America, comma, Roanoke, colony of England. Uh, Roanoke is a small island south of Chesapeake Bay on the northern, or excuse me, on the eastern coast of the New World. It is a part of the territory of Virginia, claimed by the British, and affectionately named after, named for the purity of the unmarried Queen Elizabeth. Much of the island is surrounded by untouched primeval forests. Many animal species, including several unknown to science, inhabit its groves and thickets. The Atlantic waters that surround the island are also brimming with life, both strange and familiar. Roanoke and many of its neighboring islands Uh, They are also home to numerous Algonquin tribes. Some of these tribes are hostile and violent toward the colonists and view them as murderous invaders. Probably rightly so. Other tribes are less threatened by the presence of the colonists and attempt to peacefully coexist with them. So we we get this aerial shot of the Roanoke colony. uh, Insert whatever image in your head you have of colonial America's wood log cabin-esque structures and straw-thatched roofs. Uh, kids running around screaming in uh, like heavy wagon wheel rutted uh, road or streets. And we cut to how about Tim? What is your, can you describe your character for us physically and uh, what he may be doing? Sure. I'm George Howe Jr. I'm a sweet little boy. Um, and I am chasing uh, bugs in the meadow. Uh, I'm wearing very plain clothes, um, nothing fancy, a lot of drab earth tones. Nice. Um, I've got a coat and my little hat, (laughs) and I'm chasing some bugs. 
So one of your friends, uh, James, is out there with you. Uh, you're both keep running around catching bugs, and you. Uh, uh, oh, I sh- I'm sorry. Before we get way too far into this, I need to preface that uh, the game, the system, the rules that we're playing with today are different than we're not using Mothership's rules for today's game. So we're playing uh, an interesting, weird little side story. I wanted to try something a little different. We're playing a rule system called Minimal D6. Uh, you'll see how that plays out here, but we're only using D6s. So, uh, I should probably get those out. Yes. Uh, so, uh, okay, George. So you're out playing in this meadow, and uh, I need you to roll a... Why don't you make a wisdom roll for me, please? All right, I have disadvantage on that, so I'll roll 1d6. Yep. Five. So uh, in this game... Uh, you your stats are either normal or at advantage or disadvantage. Um, if your stat is they're numbered one through six, if your stat is a five or six, you roll at advantage. Three or four is normal, two d six, and uh, disadvantage is uh, attribute of one or a two. And then um, you roll however many dice the attribute dictates. Since Tim was at disadvantage for this, he only rolls one d six. If you roll a five or a six, it's a success. Three or four is a conditional success, and a one and a two is a failure. So you rolled a five, so that's a, just a complete success. Tim, you're uh, running around in the woods, or excuse me, in this meadow, um, and you see the uh, the pine trees of um, Roanoke. The not a uh, hundred yards away, the forest uh, thicket starts, and you see red glowing eyes come from the forest. Uh. George is immediately <coughs> terrified. He's heard about um, some of the wild animals that exist here and uh, has heard some stories about some other fiendish creatures that may or may not lurk in the darkness here. So uh, George immediately hightails it back to um, camp and back to his keeper. Where are you going? You hear James call from the meadow. I, I gotta go home. So we we watch as you run away from the meadow and and is are you genuinely like is is George genuinely terrified? Mm-hmm. Uh, running to his keeper, his uh, his adopted mother, uh, Charity. Can you describe what your character looks like and what her name may be? And yeah, is? my character's name is Eleanor Dare, uh, and she's a average height. A woman with long uh, blonde hair braided down her back. Uh, She wears a sky blue dress um, with an apron tied around her waist. Um, She's fair complexion, big blue eyes, uh, looks younger than she is. And um, she is washing dishes in her little living quarters at this very moment. Perfect. So you you hear the door like slam open into your like small simple cabin mm-hmm. or uh home and you see uh standing in the doorway is George. Eleanor, I saw something in the woods. What is it? It was these eyes. I saw them. They were red. Don't make up silly stories, George. I'm not. I was out with James and I he didn't see them, but I saw them. They were so frightening. James didn't see these, these eyes. Well, I don't know. Um, I don't think he did. I, I immediately ran back. 
George, you're, you're doing this to yourself. You're going to scare yourself. You won't be able to get any sleep tonight. No, it's true. I saw them. Hush, child. Now, go wash up. We're going to eat here soon. Oh, fine. But I, I'm scared. I think that whatever was there will come into the camp and kill us all. George. Eleanor leans down and, and, and gets on George's level and takes, um, takes his little hands in her hands. George, I... Just stay close and and don't go off in that meadow again. And and, and if James is putting these ideas in your head, He's then not. you not. Know, I saw it. I did. What are you going to do if something tries to kill us? George, it's a horrible question to ask someone. Well, it happened to Dad and nothing stopped it. We don't... Listen... George, this is not something that you, uh, a small, smart boy like yourself, should be bothering himself with. I'm a colonist here, too, and I have as much responsibility as the rest of us. George, you are a child. I won't be forever. Um, uh, Eleanor, can you roll a charisma? Uh, roll charisma for me <clears throat> um, to soothe and uh, help George. That's a four. So conditional success. Mm -hmm. So George, yeah, she she's uh, she is right, right? I mean, she's your adopted mother figure, and she's at some level all you have. <clears throat> um, maybe we see a quick flashback, uh, or ju just a quick snapshot of uh, George House Senior, uh, riddled with arrows, floating um, face down in the. Uh, um, uh, uh, by the beach near uh, Roanoke, and then we cut back to we cut back to George's eyes wide from that flashback. Um, and so yeah, so Eleanor, you you were uh, preparing dinner then. It's yeah. strange that um, the men have not come back from hunting. A few of them went out uh, earlier today to uh, hunt deer. Hopefully, come back with some food. They aren't back yet. It's a long day, George. We've been we've been set up in this place for quite a while. We've hunted everything around here. They probably had to travel farther out than than they than they usually would, and it's taken them longer to get back. All right, go wash up, please. Fine. So, George, you uh, walk over to the uh, water pail to wash the dirt and grime off your hands <coughs> mm -hmm. and you um so you you uh this the wash pail is by uh, a window and, and you can see outside and you see the sun is beginning to set and many of the kids that we saw in this like flyover view uh are like going towards their homes that people outside are um preparing for the end of the day and we we also see the uh yeah, the, the town of Roanoke that um, currently uh, many of the people that would actually be helping run this place are gone. They went on a voyage back to England to get more supplies. As one of the first colonies in America, the English did not really have a good understanding of how to just live off the land and survive. A lot of it was just trial and error. So um, many of the men folk are gone and the tribes around uh, Roanoke have some people on edge 
We we watch as you wash your hands. Um, do you do anything to uh, soothe yourself, George? And do you have I don't know. Um, ever since your father passed, are there are there ticks that you have? Are there I don't know. It, as a young boy, like losing your parent in such a violent way, um, do we see anything manifest itself physically in your character? Yeah, George is uh, very alert and is always um, trying to observe his surroundings and trying to control his environment. Uh, so he is like looking out the window and like scanning everywhere to see if he can see the uh, people coming back or uh, anything else. I'm sorry. Do we know what happened to your father? Or did I just miss that? Yeah. Every, uh, everyone in town would have known what happened to George Howe Sr. Um, he was the governor's assistant and he mysteriously left the village one day um, and then was discovered later. People think he oh, went out to... in the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they found him later that day floating in the water with a bunch of arrows in his back. Uh, the arrows were nondescript. Like they didn't appear to be Algonquin um, mm-hmm. arrows. So, but everyone else just jumped to the conclusion that it must have been the uh, natives in the area that shot him. Yeah, but George is concerned and didn't necessarily buy the story that everyone just so readily accepted. So we we watch as uh, you begin preparing for supper, Eleanor, as as is your wifely duty. You are married. Um, do you want to describe your husband? For everyone, like what he looks like, uh, we don't see him, but I think maybe there's like a short little flash of a couple <laughs> images of you and him maybe courting each other, because um, you 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 and him would have met in England like before you had gone come over mm-hmm. to the New World. Yeah, um, so he is a bricklayer, so he's a rather broad-shouldered gentleman, much taller than I am. He's probably in the like six-two range, which is. Um, uncommon for people of this time they were mm-hmm. much shorter but he's mm-hmm. he's a big dude um he has he wears uh his dark hair long and he ties it back um clean but long mm-hmm. um yeah he's big brick layer a lot of muscles on this guy so you're you're um setting uh the food out you made a, a nice hearty stew and you think you look out the window and you think you see Ananias coming, your husband. Mm-hmm. And uh, it turns out to be uh, the neighbor that's two, uh, two houses down from you. Uh, walks past the window, walks past the door and just continues on his way. Your heart flutters as it's like, oh, he's, oh, he's back. Um, ever since uh, George Howe Sr. died abruptly, everyone has been more on edge. And so there's a small part of you that is concerned at his... Uh, and the rest of the hunting party's absence. So George finishes washing up and uh, returns to the uh, the dining room table where you were finishing setting the last bit of food. And I have a small baby at this point as well. Mm-hmm. I have a, a we have a young daughter. She's maybe two or three years old at this point. Um, so I grab the baby, um, set her at the dinner table. Um, George, come sit down now. George uh, walks over and sits at the table. Um, Hands are clean. Ready to eat. 
Would you like to lead us in uh, the prayer tonight, George? Sure. All right. So he lowers his head and uh, puts his hands in his lap. Um, Very good. You have to close your eyes, too. You're right. Dear Heavenly Father, please keep our camp safe. Please watch after Eleanor and please watch after me and watch after everyone else. And if you can make the winds bring the ship back faster, um, I'll really like that. Um, amen. Amen. There is a loud thunderclap that, uh, that thunders and shakes the roof uh, violently. Immediately, Virginia, your young daughter, starts, like, crying at the explosive sound of thunder coming from outside, and um, you hear the pitter-patter of the front of a storm um, hitting the roof of the house. George screams, and there's tears welled up in his eyes. So, yeah, you've got these two crying kids. Uh, Well, I guess, sorry, George is not... I'm not a kid. Virginia is, but Virginia is, Mm -hmm. like, absolutely just bawling. Yes. The heavens above! That storm came out of nowhere! And we we hear the the raindrops grow in intensity as the the front of the storm now is, like, entering town, and you just hear a torrent of rain come on the... I prayed for it, and it came true. You prayed for a storm? Yeah, I, I prayed for more wind. But that's... Right, you did. Well, get up now. Go shut the shut the window in the bedroom. Okay. Runs off, uh, tries to get the window shut, and the wind's blowing in, and it's hard for him to get both sides of it closed. Uh, eventually gets it latched, makes his way to the other side, closes the window. You see a man, a tall, broad-shouldered man, um, walking between... Uh, this window in the bedroom faces one of the other, like, cabins on the other side. I mean, basically creates, like, a small alley in between. You see a dark figure um, with broad shoulders, tall, um, standing in the alley. Um, and he is uh, um, just staring at the closed window of the of not your house, the other place. What's this person wearing? Um, make, a, uh, in, make a wisdom roll for me. Okay. Fail. He's wearing a black tattered cloak over his person, and <laughs> he looks like he's wearing armor underneath. Eleanor! George! There's someone between the houses. Whoosh! Come look! Let me come look. Lower your voice. Quick, quick, before you leave! George! I <clears throat> mosey to the back. I don't mosey. I, I, I move quickly. Mm-hmm. Like you said, we're all a little on edge. Yeah, and, and the only light in this place is from little um, oil lamps. Mm-hmm. And so the, the light that's created is not very much, and it casts long shadows. You uh, creep into the bedroom and see the window that George is standing at, and you see a figure outside. 
um, staring at the neighbor's house. Who is it? Shh. Go comfort your sister. Don't open the door unless it's me. Go, George. Okay, I'm going. I step out the back door. Okay. And go around the corner. So yeah, the rain the rain is coming down in like sheets. It's that like blowing, billowing mm-hmm. uh, rainstorm. And uh, it's actually kind of hard for you to even really see. Um, there's so much rain. Uh, the streets... There's no gutters. It's just like now yeah. turned into a soupy, muddy mess. But Hopefully it's hard for this individual to see me as well. Yeah. Well, and so you, you walk around from behind the house, and does your house have like a wood porch, or does it like step down directly into the dirt? There's a porch on the front, um, a small one, but it doesn't wrap around or anything. Okay. So it's very, very basic. So Even though I am the daughter of a, the governor, what I do don't you- know, would my house be different because of my status or a little but people just didn't have much even like right even people with money still like were only afforded the luxuries that the what the ships could carry and what was found in the wherever they landed so our windows are closable that's about all we got yeah no that's probably accurate and Mm -hmm. you probably have a porch with a couple nice chairs that were made as like wedding presents or something, yeah. And the chairs slowly rock um, in the wind. In the wind, oh. and um, we get this camera angle of your um, fancy like colonist shoes slowly walk um, across the porch, and in the, the that's in the foreground, and in the background, we the camera swings back, and we get this shot, this close up of your shoes and they go out of focus and then we see standing at the other house is this figure in a long tattered um uh cloak uh that is ripped and torn and frayed at the bottom i mean it's it looks like it's barely held together honestly and the rain and wet just makes it hang like um like a wet dog's fur just hangs off of him uh or off of it i shouldn't say him I should assume the thing's gender. Uh, so, yeah, that's what you see. How far away am I? Uh, you are... Let's see. So if you're still... If you're on the corner of the porch and he's at the alley, we'll say it's... Uh, mm, like 25... 20 feet, maybe. Okay. Um, I want to get it closer. Okay. You'll have to step off of the porch and step into the muddy street. Do you do that? Mm-hmm. So we, um, we see your foot like extend off of the porch and, and touch down into the, the muddy ground and it sinks like just a couple inches um, from the, the slop. Cut over to George. Uh, George is trying to watch Eleanor. Um, he's got like the window kind of opened, kind of look through and follow her around the house. So yeah, use window to window. Mm-hmm. So you, you see her you, as she, like, creeps across the porch um, from, like, you know, there's only a few rooms in this house. Again, it's not, like, when we think of a house, we think of, like, like tons of room. walls. Yeah. It's, I mean, these old colonial oh, yeah. homes pretty much had one room. It's and, like the first settlement, yeah. Yep. So you watch as she passes through these windows, and then she goes to the corner of the porch, and then, you know, she disappears from sight as she rounds that corner. So you, do you continue to like follow her George like creeps back under the window where he saw the person and tries to like peep up um 
All right. So uh, you you do that, and we watch as Eleanor um, takes a couple more steps. And <clears throat> Eleanor, you see him like, well, make a dexterity roll for me, please. And are you at disadvantage? I am. So you'll roll 1d6. Yep. That's a three. So that's a conditional, conditional. success. Uh, so you, um, you're able to sneak up and get closer to this thing. Uh, despite the amount of rain and wind, the smell of uh, just body odor and um, colonists aren't clean by any means, but this thing smells like it is the inside of a uh, hog barn. I don't know what farm things are. It's disgusting. Smells like old, dank body odor. Yeah, just foul. Uh, Make a uh, roll constitution for me, please. It's that bad. Yeah. So that's a five, so I get to roll two. You get to roll roll three. three. Yep. Advantage means you roll one extra than standard. So that's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Nope. We're only counting uh, individual (laughs) dice. A three, a five, and a two. A three, a five, and a two. So the five counts as a success. That's a success. And that's all we're looking for. The highest number determines the outcome. So since you rolled a five, and that's a... um, complete success you roll a complete success and you go like the smell overwhelms you but you you know you've helped deliver cows you've helped uh work around the farm you've were more or less you've toughed it out in this colony so Mm -hmm. you the smell does not overwhelm you and you push on Mm -hmm. you make this uh this thing um you notice under its cloak is a long uh, strapped to the side of its belt is a long scabbarded uh, uh, sword, and the scabbard itself, the it's a leather scabbard, but the leather has deteriorated and it just looks so ancient. And it's got these weird um, markings on it that look extremely primitive. Uh, I need you to roll an intelligence roll for me. Nothing a disadvantage, so, I so just it's roll just one d six. Yep, and that's a six. Damn. So somewhere in your uh, your upbringing, you read about the legends of Scan- the Scandinavian Norsemen mm-hmm. of the the Vikings, and um, this uh, scabbard and the text on it is reminiscent of the um, pictures that you saw in those books of Viking runes. George is trying to like peep up the window and puts a hand on the the window pane and it makes a creaking noise. Nice. Uh, the thing turns to look and you see it's got uh, just red dots for eyes. Its flesh has completely uh, sunken and rotted. It's this gross green and blue color. Um, and it's it's hanging in weird parts. It's just a, looks like a decomposing corpse. And it turns to look at you, George, and locks eyes with you. Eleanor, you see it turn, and it turns like away from you, and is now like you're to its side, and it's uh, looking at the window, and you see George <clears throat> at the window, petrified. You shouldn't be out here in this storm. <sighs> 
and it turns to look at you and it draws a long and cruel-looking longsword. Um, the sword is rusted in parts, and there's a big uh, chip broken off the top. There's like a, a bunch of the metal is actually missing. Um, this blade looks old, and it raises it above its head, and then it just goes to stab you. Cool. <laughs> Uh, so I got a conditional success. So um, you lose one hit point. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you have four total hit points. So you can be hit four times before you die. Okay. Um, George, George screams. You, uh, and you start hearing uh, screams from other houses. Um, and then you hear a <laughs> at the door of the home. Well, not supposed to answer the door unless it's Eleanor. She did say that. Uh, I'm going to pick up Virginia, and I'm going to... George is going to uh, try to find another way out of the house. There's two exits. There's the front door that um, that Eleanor went out of, and then there is the back door that the knocking came from. Going out that front door. Okay. So, Eleanor, you just, um, I think you are in shock at everything that's happening. Yeah. So a lot of it is just like instinct and not conscious thought. Mm-hmm. And you uh, feel a sharp twinge in your side as this blade goes for a stab. And the thing's not exceptionally uh, deft with the blade. And it j- uh, cuts you pretty deep in your side, but it's nothing uh, fatal. Uh, if you were to leave this untreated, it could get gangrenous and you could die of infection. But Sweet. Uh, uh, what do you do? Uh, I have my apron on, mm-hmm. and so I take it off, and I, like, or I, like, tie it. I turn it so it's tied around my, where the wound is, mm-hmm. and I, like, tie it tighter um, to try to stop or help stop the bleeding. Uh-huh. Um, and then I want to run away. I want to run towards my children, who I, at this point, assume are in the house. Yeah. I, I think at this same moment, we see the door, f- like, fly open, and we see Albert holding, excuse, sorry, <laughs> George uh-huh. holding uh, Virginia, um, and you two, like, see each other. Uh, George, you see <laughs> your adopted mother, someone that took you in when you were worried that you would end up an orphan starving. Um, a big red spot um, as her, like, just all her clothes are soaked. She's been standing outside in the rain. What do you guys do? And you start hearing sounds, like, over the thunder and over the rain, sounds of screaming uh, from all over uh, town. I want to get to my children. And I... And maybe this isn't a good decision, but I feel like everything I know about this kind of like colonial coming to America kind of thing. They were not one for, they were not for themselves. Like they were for mm-hmm. the, the, the group. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like running wouldn't help. I feel like we should stay run towards town. So that's what I want. That's what I'm going to do. George like runs over to Eleanor and gives her Virginia. Cause babies are heavy and I'm just yeah. a little boy. Babies are heavy. Um, And uh, yells, uh, it's the eyes. 
We have to go. We have to go. Please go. Okay, where are we going? Run towards the center of town. Okay. And so you, you all, the the two of you, um, Eleanor, you you holding Virginia, um, are running through the um, water-soaked water. <clears throat> what is it? <clears throat> muddy. Yeah, really muddy, and it's like that <laughs> that like uh, thick. Um, viscous mud mm-hmm. that that like really sticks to your shoes. It's so yeah. wet, and you're like, "How is it sticking to me? It's not sliding off." It makes that like suction sound yep. when you pull your, f- and so it's it's almost slowing you down. Yeah. Uh, make a uh, both of you roll wisdom for me. Do I get to roll two? Because I'm not advantage or disadvantage. Correct. Ooh. I have a conditional success. Kay. I have an actual success. Okay. Conditional success, actual success. Um, so, uh, Albert, may we... George. Or Scott, I'm sorry. I don't know why. It's okay. There's too many characters. <laughs> uh, George, you, as you're running through the center of town, you catch, you turn to your right and see that one of the doors to the, the one of the front doors to the houses is kicked open and lying on his back is James and over top of him is one of these things and its head is moved to the side, and out of its neck is this long um, tentacle that is um, in uh, the kid's ear. And you see the kid just uh, convulsing violently on the ground underneath this thing. What's in his ear? Uh, A tentacle has sprouted from this thing's neck as it's holding uh, James down, and the kid is just convulsing. you pause to watch this, and your success, you see this, Eleanor, uh, and your uh, unconditional success, you notice that George is, like, frozen in attention, frozen to attention at this graphic, violent scene unfolds. So with my mom's strength, I'm going to pick George up. Yeah. And so, yeah, now I've got baby and big baby, and we are still running towards... I'm assuming that this town would have like, like a a, a space, a, 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 like a place of worship, kind of, or like a like a city. Oh, there would be like a church. A, there would absolutely sure. be a church. That's where we're gonna go. Would they? I, this might be too specific. Would they like? It was the Church of England a thing? Mm-hmm. Probably. So would they? Would they be? Whatever that religion is. I think that they were or like Calvinist, Protestant, Prote- or something. Oh. Or were they weird? Uh, weren't they like Quakers? weird Puritans or some shit? Puritan. Oh, Puritans, like the guy from There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Well, we're we're English, and we were able to. We were English, and we were able to get on a boat. So doing pretty well. Yeah. We're probably one of the good ones. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. So you. Yeah, uh, we're gonna go run towards the church. Uh. So sprinting through the rain and the muck, um, the vision, it becomes harder to see. Uh, you become quite tired from carrying the two heavy uh, babes. Make babes. a strength roll for me, please, Eleanor. All right, I'm at a disadvantage. So, too glad I didn't do this accent. It's really thick. It's an, uh, a success, a roll to five. So you... Just I, maybe it's just all the adrenaline, but mom you, strength. Yeah, mom strength. Mom strength. You don't have. Uh, you don't suffer from any uh, fatigue. 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 And uh, you sprint towards the uh, church, 
and uh, the the doors the doors are closed to the church. It's I mean it is a simple small wooden structure with a tall thingy at the top with a big cross on it. I mean it's there's not much to it. Tight. <laughs> um, and the doors are closed. Where do you what do you do? Go to the door. Is it locked? Uh, you go to open the um, uh, turn the handle to the door and the door is unlocked. Cool. We go in. So you throw yourselves inside and you're finally like out of the wet Mm -hmm. and find some respite inside the quiet church. There's um, some candles lit and uh, but it appears that you're alone in here. We I um, go to the front towards the front of the church uh, and kneel at the cross and begin to pray. I, yeah, I'm out of her arms now, and I'm, like, looking out the windows of the church to try and see what's happening in town. Uh, so, so you see that um, a couple of the houses are now on fire, and there's a, a orange light from these house fires that is uh, illuminating um, the inside of the church. And the sounds of screaming and crying uh, are beginning to die down and become less frequent. Eleanor, it's a raid. They're going to kill all of us. I told you so. Lord heaven above, please, please send. We have to get out of here. To my people, so they can take these devil creatures away from us. We have to try to run and hide. They'll find us in here. George, please. We have to go. These are creatures from the devil. These are demons. The Lord from the heavens will will send something upon us if we are meant to be. George, please. George is going to try to find uh, something in the church that he can, like, hit people with. Ooh, nice. So this would be a great time to use your curious trait Hmm. um, and use uh, intelligence for me. Okay. Okay. So I get an advantage because I have that trait? Yes. So you will roll 3d6. Right. And I got a success. Two successes. Cool. Really just a success. Yep. Really just a success. You don't have to mock everything I do. Uh, yeah, do. I do it because I love you. <laughs> uh, you you go to the room where the, um, I don't know what Protestants call, would it be like a minister? I don't know. Wherever he lives. He has, sure. like, he has a small room the off, preachy man. off of the, the nave altar yeah. thing. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't, I don't know words. And, uh, Inside is a musket that is um, mu- up mounted on the wall. Dang! All right, I'm gonna. George is gonna try to climb up and and get that down. You you were six. Yeah, you do. Sweet. Uh, George remembers from watching some of the men load their muskets for hunting and stuff. How it works. So sets about uh, loading the powder and the cloth and the ball and ramming it and all that. So this thing is like taller than you. Uh-huh. So you you have to actually like stand on the bed in order to get up over the um, the barrel so that you can load the wad and the powder and the uh, musket ball. Doing that. Load that wad. Load that wad. And it's you know my first time and yeah it's unwieldy and it's sloppy. Uh, Probably mismeasured the powder. You uh, you in the middle of prayer, Eleanor, noticed that uh, George is missing. She. Uh, stands up and, and whips around and looks, I mean, again, not a big space, not a lot of places to hide, and she hears some commotion co- coming from this 
side bedroom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she gets the baby and she goes in there. You see that uh, George has is finishing the last bit of loading a musket that is uh, <clears throat> at least like a foot and a half taller than he is. You both can hide in here. She doesn't say anything. She just enters, comes further into the room. George keeps loading the gun. You uh, you finish loading the weapon. You have uh, um, you have enough like uh, gunpowder and uh, musket balls for three shots, maybe. Um, there's a small little, I don't know, pioneer fanny pack thing that has all that stuff in it. Cool. Uh, George is gonna like hop down off the bed, carry the gun over to the window, and look outside again. Uh, the uh, looking back outside, you don't hear the sounds of screaming anymore, um, and everything uh, aside from the rain and the the fires uh, appears to be still again. I think everyone's dead, George. I killed them all. Do you remember what Ananias told you before he left to go hunting? Do you remember what he said to you? George shakes his head no. He said when... When he's away, you're the man of the house. It's your job to protect the women and the children. And I am your mother for all intents and purposes, George, but I... You have to protect us now. And George um, just stares at Eleanor for a bit, kind of wide-eyed and open-mouthed, like not ready to do that at all, Uh, and can't speak. This silence passes where all we hear is the sound of the um, heavy rain hitting the roof of the church. Church being really tall, it makes this like ambient reverb sound of the uh, raindrops pattering on the on the roof and from outside we hear what sounds like a a war horn Eleanor just she sits on the bed and she has the baby and she's rocking the baby and quietly like shh shh it's alright roll a charisma for me Eleanor, sorry. That is a conditional success. Uh, the uh, you soothe you soothe the babe, but can tell that she's fussy, and um, you've soothed her for now. But um, unless you can get her somewhere where she feels more safe, she's going to begin crying out and screaming again. We have to try to keep her quiet so they don't find us. Eleanor shakes her head and and, um, she grabs uh, the blanket or the quilt off the bed in this space and and wraps the baby um, up in this blanket, tries to make the, almost makes like a little tent around her so that it's dark and that she's warm and she's, uh, Eleanor like opens up I guess this baby's like two years old. It's not like a baby. Yeah, it's like a 
toddler, a yeah. young toddler. So like whatever. Uh, same thing. Whatever. I've worked with two year olds. They can. They yeah. like to be swaddled. Yeah. Um, but Eleanor like unbuttons the top two buttons of her of her dress and puts the baby's face like right on her chest. So like the skin on skin kind mm-hmm. of contact thing and and it, and just continues to like slowly rock and like coo at this toddler. So, um, George, a few more uh, quiet minutes pass after the warhorn, and you start to see uh, doors to homes open, and you watch as figures from the homes. Uh, I imagine that the the church sits on like a small hill in mm-hmm. town and kind of overlooks this whole scene and we see as doors open up and people begin to shuffle out of their homes and form in a single file line and begin walking outside of town towards the east gate to the town that would lead out to like the meadow where you were george and um yeah the people begin filtering out of the homes and walking that way Everyone's leaving. They're still alive? <clears throat> George takes a closer look at the people. Make a wisdom save for me, Georgie. Conditional success. You you look a little bit closer, and I think, uh, like, trying to get a better look, you put your hand on the windowsill and don't realize that it's wet. Um, and you see... Yeah, it's the townspeople. Some of them have, like, actual wounds. Some of them uh, look to be, like, holding, like, uh, holding their arm or clutching, like, their hand or something, but are walking sort of dully um, out of town and interspersed amongst this, like, coronation line are these uh, figures in black cloaks and chainmail um, with swords at their hilt that are walking out with them. And you, sl- your hand slips, and you fall and hit your head on the windowsill. Uh, make a Constitution save for me. Success. Um, you, uh, you don't hurt yourself, um, but you do make a loud thud. Eleanor, you nervously stand and look out the window and notice that one of the uh, um, creatures with swords has turned to look at the church where you are. You feel like it's it's looking right at you. I just remain as still as possible. Um, it begins walking towards the church. No, it's sauce. Is there a, a, another exit out of this church? Yeah, there's... Uh, there's a back exit that goes out from behind the altar out into town. George, I think we need to get out of here, and I think we need to join that line. Wait, wait, wait. Let's just... Hang on. Just wait. What do you think's going to happen? If we wait until he's close, and then we leave, then maybe they won't see us. All right. So you uh, you see this thing uh, walking, and then it, its walk turns into a trot as it trots towards the um, towards the church, and it gets really close. Uh, whenever you decide to move, okay, go. And um, George like 
Crouch walks to the, the back door really f- quickly. We all crouch walk quickly. Okay. Uh, I'll only have whoever has the best dexterity score can roll. I'm at disadvantage. I have the normal. So go ahead and roll And dexterity. I'm also small and nimble. So yeah, so maybe you, you are able to um, use that trait um, to help um, sneak through the uh, chapel and use the pews to kind of hide yourselves. All right. I have uh, success. Two success. Oh, uh, yeah. An unconditional success. So you're able to escape out the back of the chapel without being seen. And the thing, um, you hear it as it goes into the chapel and starts, you hear it like pull up pews and throw them across the room. Um, you hear the sound of glass smashing um, as it tears apart the room looking for whatever it saw. George like pulls the uh, flint uh, lock back on the musket mm-hmm. and is ready to ignite the powder in case it comes through the back door. So Eleanor and the baby are at the back door, mm-hmm. and sh- and th- and at this moment this is when she realizes that George is not directly behind her, and so she whips around and sees him you know, only a few pews away from this creature with the gun. And she goes to, like, cry out, but something stops her, you know, or or shock, and she thinks that she has a voice, but it's just nothing. Um, And that's that. George, like, grabs at her and pulls her through the door. So the both of you... Um, exit out the back of the church. The thing continues to like throw furniture around um, and is scouring the room for whatever it saw. And then we, uh, George runs around to the side and looks, uh, tries to look sneakily through the window. Um, you get a better look at this thing. Uh, it looks like a corpse that is wearing, uh, to get rid of the use of metaphor at this point, it looks like an old Viking's corpse that has come to life and is tearing apart the inside of this chapel. It has an old gnarled sword and old rusted, and it wears old rusted chainmail. They're dead. I don't know what they are, George. We we have to keep going. We have to catch up with the other townsfolk. But they're they're with them. They're marching with them. Would you rather be alone out here with nothing? Yes. No, I'm... That's ridiculous, George. We're going. Eleanor grabs for his arm. And George uh, pulls away and is like, No, if we go with them, then we're going to die. If we stay here, we're going to die. Uh, At the word die... um, the thing, uh, a, uh, a pew comes flying through the chapel windows and breaks uh, one of the tall windows on the side of the chapel, and you see, yeah, a pew launch out and tumble down um, end over end on the side of the hill. Uh, you don't see the thing yet. It hasn't come outside. George, like, ducks down and is holding the rifle and is, like, shakily trying to bring it up and ready to... Point it. You are a child, George. You said that I'm in charge. That's fair, I did say that. And 
I can't protect you, and I can't protect Virginia. I, I, I can't protect myself. Then I'll protect you both. The door flies open as this thing um, walks out into the rain, and its yeah, its beady red eyes lock onto you, George. George uh, puts the butt of the musket in the mud and aims it up at an angle at the the creature and pulls the the pin back and fires. Roll dexterity for me. Kay. Success. The loudest sound of this musket going off. I mean, it just like pierces the din of the rain, and um, there's just white smoke that comes out from the end of this barrel. And uh, the thing's uh, head just explodes off of its body as the musket ball tears through its old rotted flesh and just blasts it apart. And the corpse stumbles a little bit and falls to one knee. And you see it's, uh, like, feeling around as if it can't actually see. Um, and, uh, and yeah, what, what do you do? Uh, George... Um um, George grabs the the sword from the creature and gives it to Eleanor, and it's like screams, like we have to run. Okay, okay. And uh, where do you go? Um, the question is, do you go with the townspeople or away from them? I think that George like wants to run kind of like alongside the townspeople not like in line with them but kind of keeping a safe distance but away from them mm-hmm. cool so uh we we get this montage of you um of you three sneaking through the woods uh and uh roll charisma for me on the babe and do you have any traits <clears throat> that would help maybe educated tough enough or polite mm, yeah That's uh, two conditional successes. So, creeping alongside the uh, column of townsfolk and Vikings, you 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 are not discovered. Um, well, 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 yeah, no, you you are you are not discovered, and. Uh, the uh, babe is asleep in your arms for now. Okay. Keep following him. We keep uh, a safe distance, trying to be quiet. The rain has softened a lot of the dry sticks and stuff, so that's making it easier for us to be quiet and covering a lot of our noise. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so loud. I mean, yeah. through this uh, pine forest, it's uh, it's really hard to make heads or tails I want to like look up really quick what this would um, would look like because um, I want to get oh no forest oh yeah it's really pretty but would also be incredibly menacing I mean, if you, I mean, think of that like thicket. Oh yeah. Um, at night. Yeah, and and there's there's not much light really at all. So you're just 
able to follow them simply because there's so many of them. And eventually uh, they walk for, for hours. Like, do you continue following them for as long as they continue to walk? Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Uh, are all of their eyes red? The, the townsfolks are not. Mm. Their, their eyes look glazed over. Like they're, uh, um, like they're, they're not really looking at anything. Their eyes are just in this middle distance. Uh, you can see uh, as clouds give way to some moonlight, the, you can make that out. And they approach a large granite slab that sticks out of the ground at a 45-degree angle. And it's it's surrounded by brush and shrubbery, and you they almost like disappear into it, but you circle around a bit more and see that there's actually a small trail that kind of weaves in between two trees. So there's there's a trail that leads in between this cre- cre- uh, crevice uh, in the granite, and they walk into this uh, uh, granite slab uh, in single file. I've never seen that before. Me neither. Should we follow them? Yes. Uh, so you wait for the last one to pass through, and uh, you approach the <clears throat> approach the granite slab, and it's uh, you get a immediate sense of uh, something of a certain wrongness, uh, like when you look at a picture on a wall that is just ever so slightly crooked, but you can't really make out if it's to the left or to the right. Mm -hmm. It's just a little bit off. Yeah. um, Is the feeling you get as you approach this granite slab. And the, uh, you, you approach and follow the same trail that would be completely invisible to anyone that was just casually looking. You had to like see them walk into it. And, uh, this opening, um, has, uh, faded red markings on the entrance um, that are that almost make it look like teeth around, uh, but it's it's actually uh, maybe like a sun's uh, flames around the circle. It's it's hard to make out really what it is. Pointy. Pointy. Yeah, little pointies. Little, it's got, little pointies. It's got little pointies. Yo, what up? I'm a little pointy. Great rapper. <laughs> and then you. Uh, Walking into the granite passageway, uh, you see um, uh, along the cave walls are images of a night sky. There are stars drawn, and there are spiral, um, we would know them as galaxies. Um, In the center of a plain, unmarked wall is a large circle with an enormous bright red spot at its center. The longer you look at the runes and the text, the harder your head begins to hurt. The only way it feels like to relieve the pain in your head is to continue expeditiously, expediently down the passageway following the people. Keep going. Um, You continue down the passageway, descends further and further into the earth, step after step, eventually coming to a tall archway in the style of Norse architecture. Above the door, you see Norse runes are carved into a wood um, frame around the entryway. George tries uh, reloading the musket. Make a dexterity roll for me. <clears throat> okay. Additional success. Okay. So you shoot this thing. It uh, 
I mean, you think you did it right. I think you're in such like a panic. It's like, oh shit, did I put enough powder? <laughs> did I ram it right? Did I ram it? Nice. Yeah. Thanks. So inside the room, uh, long boards run run horizontal along the walls, making it feel like a Norse longhouse, but somehow Wait, strange. Can I? Do I know what the runes are? I recognize mm. something from on that guy. At yeah, the I I mean, roll uh, roll intelligence for me. And I have I am educated, so you as can a roll trait? at advantage. Because I'm a disadvantage. So do I roll two? Oh, you're a disadvantage. Yes, disadvantage for intelligence. So I just get to roll two. Yep. Tight. Or no, it would be wis- it would be a wisdom roll. Sorry, not intelligence. So then I get to roll three. Yep. Well, that's a success. So it's a success. Um, it reads, "Alith brought us here." Okay. <laughs> um. Alith. A Y L I T H. A Y L I. Okay. A Y L I T H. Yep. Brought us her. Okay. I don't know what that means. What does it mean? I don't know. Oh. What are they doing? Well, in- Quiet. Inside, you see. The townspeople are gathering around this thing in the middle of the room, making uh, circles around it, and then going um, to their knees and bowing their heads forward. Uh, at the center of the room is a bulbous sphere the size of a small cabin. It's like lumpy. It's not a perfect sphere. It's more like a potato than... A potato? A potato. It's like a little potato. Uh, but the sphere's surface are... Uh, riddled with tiny holes and extended out from each hole uh, is a long thread-like strand. And one by one, um, the people of Roanoke kneel before the sphere uh, while the thread slips into their ears. Um, Their eyes close and their faces look at peace while their bodies writhe and convulse on the ground. So one at a time, um, they go down and uh, kneel and then these long proboscis thread-like things come into their ears and then they just start like convulsing on the ground. Um, eventually uh, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 of the townspeople are now um, all 70 strands out of 70 holes from this weird potato thing um, have entered into these people's ears and you, you just hear the sound of bodies like flopping and slapping on the uh, stone floor. Hot. Real hot. Super hot. It's horrible. What are they doing? George, stay here. And Eleanor walks over to where the townspeople are hey, and she she uh puts the baby like into the circle uh hoping for it to get uh, the thread so, uh, uh, and and walks away. So a uh a uh, thread like extrudes out from a hole and you see it kind of like almost like a uh, like a snake trying to sense something mm-hmm. and then eventually it uh, locks onto where Virginia is and it smoothly goes at an angle and pops into her ear and you see the little babe sees 
uh, but its face belies a, a, a face is a face of peace and tranquility. George is horrified. Why did she do that? And Eleanor walks quickly and quietly back over to where George is. Where are you, George? Kind of in a dark crevice. Yeah. Kind of standing in the entryway, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So Eleanor comes back to where George is and stands behind him, puts her hands on his shoulders. Why did you do that? I can't take care of her any longer. What do you mean? I don't know what's going to happen to us, George, but I don't think that we're long for this world. Look at them. The looks on their faces are... are calm. They're convulsing. If they've crossed over, then then I know that they're in the place that they're supposed to be. You said that this was the devil. I couldn't take care of her any longer. Well, then you can't take care of me any longer. You're a... A smooth, feminine voice uh, echoes in the loud chamber. Children. Children. Please, do not fight here. You will disturb them. Come. Let me tell you what I have seen. All these ages that I have stayed here. Sit. Relax. And the voice... Uh, I need you all to roll wisdom for me. Success. Success. The voice is supremely nice. I mean, the anxiety and fear that you had of, like, everything that you've seen kind of dissolve away. And the last thing we see is... um, a uh, couple of um, these Viking-looking guys um, move their necks back silently, and long uh, these same like long threads come out of their necks as they like walk up behind you two, and we fade to black. And that's will do it for part one of episode four. What does this have to do with the campaign? You may ask. Oh my god. I don't really know, but we'll find out in a little bit. So don't go anywhere. Love you. Love you. Be back. Bye. 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 Bye.